that was a four second yawn. Yeah, I don't know what it is about every time right before we start recording, but um, I I feel like I always yawn yeah. before I press the button, which is pretty funny if we're thinking about it. Yeah, you yeah you you do your weird quirky things. One of those things is I always forget how dry my mouth is until um, what? Oh, it's on. <laughs> I wanted to make sure because you know we didn't start talking again. We tried we, to film one yesterday and yeah, we tried to film a podcast yesterday and we realized about fifteen minutes in that the mics weren't on. Well, also Merlin wasn't feeling well. No, I was sick pretty much. Yeah, I was pretty badly sick yesterday. Which was crazy, and then today was even crazier in the markets. And it's almost quarter end, and woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was on a million phone calls today, mm-hmm. and there was a, a whole bunch of shit going on. I I really want to talk about the bear, too, on yeah. the podcast, and I have no idea how to. Like cover it. I also feel like it's almost too soon to talk about the bear. Yeah, you don't want to spoil it for for people for if they yeah. But we've been it, but so good. We watched it together. We think it's absolutely amazing. Like if people haven't seen it, you gotta go watch it because um, the artistic like commentary from either the cinematography or the Just symbolism the or the themes, yeah. the dialogue. It's all it's all so jam packed with like mm-hmm. so many great layers to it. And um, I think it's like a really great psychological expose yeah. of a whole bunch of different characters. Yeah. And um, one of the one of the characters, Richie, is trying to find purpose in season two. And I think, um, at least for like me, it I think it speaks. It speaks at least at least for me, it speaks quite a bit. Like you know, just yeah. trying to find purpose in life and yeah. um, trying to sort it out and stuff. But. I'll save all the spoilers for – we'll give them one more week. One more week. You got one week to watch the bear, and then if you listen in and it's spoiled, that's on you. That's on you, baby. Like you you had <laughs> how many hours versus, you know – It was released, what, last week? Right. We binge-watched it. Over and we're weekend. old and slow, yeah. and um, you should have been faster. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great show. Um, yeah, the new season just came out, so and uh, definitely you, recommend it to everyone. You know what's crazy today in the stock market? What happened? Well, first off, Hut almost broke three, which I think is going to break three overnight. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, unless so, today was a short squeeze. Yeah, out of pocket, and you can tell because um, typically it's just straight bars up, like it's a it's a full parabolic step. And there's mm-hmm. no bre- there's no breath or like break to it, so there's no red pullback candles. Yeah, on it. So if if it just heads straight up, it means that it's short squeeze, and it kind of made sense because it was at four thirty two on spy, which is pretty much the exhaustion point. I was looking at it yesterday. I was like, that looks super weird. There's no weird. There's no sell pressure behind it. It just kind of sat down, which means. The thing about shorts is, is you're paying a tax for however long you are borrowing the stock, right? Mm-hmm. So when you short a stock, you're essentially borrowing the stock from a person. So if you buy it at $10, right, and you're holding on to it, 
or so you short the stock at, at ten dollars. You don't actually buy it. Yeah. So you're borrowing the stock at ten. It starts at ten, and the stock goes down to eight dollars. Right. Technically, you've made two dollars mm-hmm. on it, right? But um, there's also a maintenance fee, and there, and so like you know, for however long you're holding the short, you still have to pay pay back, you know, like a, a certain expense fee for, for yeah. borrowing the stock because you also get like certain like rights to it. You get proxy shareholder rights and stuff like that for uh, when stocks on loan. Um, so there's some disadvantages to short, to loaning out a short. Um, especially if the stock actually literally goes down and it goes down quickly. So you can lose a lot of money on that. Yeah. Um, I had no idea that there was main, there was like a maintenance fee. Yeah, and the, and the maintenance fees change depending on how uh, hotly contested, or not contested, I guess how high in demand a certain stock is to be shorted, mm-hmm. how much volatility is associated with a stock, how much liquidity is associated with a the stock. There's a whole bunch of different factors that go into it, and it also depends who you're borrowing from as well. That can sometimes be a variable in the factor. Punctuate it. Yeah, for most regular traders, um, like the average Joe, you really don't have to worry too much about that stuff because I can't imagine you're holding a short for multiple months or multiple years versus yeah. sometimes some institutions will hold it for years and years on end, you know? Yeah. And um, they do it for all different kinds of reasons. There's a whole bunch of different strategies that go into it. Yeah. Um, you have to be really precise with it. I think Drunken Miller probably says it best where – you know, you're most likely not to make any money off a of short. You have to be a really talented investor to be able to play shorts and to play it precisely because it's very easy to miss. You can easily end up in a short squeeze and you have to time it almost perfectly. You don't get as much leniency as, as you do when you're long. Like less room for yeah. mistake. Yeah. That's why bears get wiped out so quickly because you have to be really fucking smart and really good at what you do in order to figure out when a stock's going to drop, how it's going to drop, and to understand the full mechanics of the liquidity in the drop. so But also being good at it ties into like how much time you're spending actually watching it too, right? Yeah, some of it. And then I, th- I think some of it too is, is like, I mean, it, it's um, part of its self-mastery of, of the art, but also too, I think like, um, you know, not everyone's going to understand mathematical equations of like, you know, uh, uh, I guess like aerospace engineering. Mm-hmm. There's no way I was ever going to come up with, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity probably in my life. Like if I was just living my life, I probably would have never figured it out. The fact that like someone figured out calculus and invented it, that's fantastic. That's outside my realm of talent. I think there are certain realms of talent in trading and there can be like prodigies that can be, you know, absolutely amazing yeah. traders that are, that are once in a generation. And, you know, obviously those guys are going to do way better at shorts. Um, but yeah, as a good amount of you being good at a short or good at longing is really just, yeah, practice for sure. But it does take some level of talent as well. You're so humble. Like all of your formulas aren't just <laughs> on top of it. Okay. <laughs> it, the algos are pretty smart. They seem to rotate very well and yeah. adapt to different situations. And it's, it's almost miraculous that they operate so fluently. Perfect. Per- yeah, I guess perfectly is another word for it, mm-hmm. on higher and lower time frames. Yeah. Um, I mean, even when you're you're sitting there and explaining it to me, 
let's just say like Hut, for example, right? When we talked, when you first introduced it to me a couple weeks ago. Right. I was like, like, it's going to get stuck exactly at three. And yeah. Yeah. And then look where it's stuck at 299. Yeah. Right on three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of uh, crazy. (laughs) It is. But that's why I say you're humble because you said it's outside your realm. I, I don't know. I would say that you're pretty good at figuring shit out figuring mathematical equations out sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know it just depends on the day it depends it depends on the level of manic that i'm going <laughs> the through manic that you're going through with yeah. Nothing going on. yeah with nothing going on i mean this weekend i literally created a uh, cryptocurrency called Wizcoin. there's there's literally about to jump to another topic so just hang That's on okay. hang on it's it, on for a wild ride. Everyone, because, yeah, I have fucking ADD, and it's 10 o'clock at night. Um, Samantha in the chat wanted to talk about, uh, what was it? The, the uh, BioLab uh, produced chicken that, like, San Francisco is now selling. Did you hear about oh, this? Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah, and then you showed it. me the – you literally showed me the same article that night. I was like, that's so weird. I didn't – even realized that was happening. The mutated chicken. So it goes deeper than than yeah. this. Just the the mutated chicken. Guess who was a stake in the in those labs as well as I think Beyond Meat. Mm-hmm. Do you know the guy? Yeah. He's the he's like one of the wealthiest people in the world. Yeah. What's his name? Bill Gates. Yeah, Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. And then Bill Gates owns the most farmland in the world, but I believe. Has, or sorry, in the United States, I believe. But he that farmland. He just sits on it. There's nothing. Right. Supply and demand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you take it away. You take away the um, supply, right? Mm-hmm. If there's scarcity in supply, then automatically that raises price. Yep. Yeah. Did you get to read the stack today? By the way. Uh yeah, I got to look over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked over it briefly. I, I reviewed <laughs> some of those details. Um. Uh, you talked about. Hut, definitely. I did definitely talk about Hut, and and I'm glad that you remembered the title. Taoism. Taoism, I did talk about Taoism today. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think that it it was specifically written towards you again? Oh, yeah, every every time I read it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you're you're talking straight to me, but I think that that's, like, super... That's sort of why I was ranting at you yesterday, because when we... (laughs) Because when we when we talked about it yesterday, you opened up the pod by saying, "So you wrote another reflection. Was that directed specifically at me?" I mean, it really not that you're like attacking me because I would I would argue that a lot of the <laughs> times it's very like hopeful and like look to the future, yeah, type wave, you know, right? And like I don't know it. it I think it, it it makes me sit back and like realize like hmm I take life way too seriously sometimes and it's it's better to just kind of like simplify it. Sure. I I I kind of feel like you indirectly speak to me. Right. Um Wait. but I think that I would argue it probably like speaks to your followers as well. The way yeah. that you write it's like having a personal conversation. Like yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely. Yeah, talk. you're very personable. Uh, yeah, I like to write in a more personable way, but that—that yeah. that was like what my argument was. 
though yesterday, right? Was yeah. well, first off, most of the time when I write my reflection, I'm actually writing to myself. Yeah. Which I don't think a lot of people realize is that as, as I write that full reflection, it, it's actually for me. And it's <laughs> <laughs> not the evil smile on your face right now. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, it really, yeah, it, yeah. I, I write it out of things I need to work on, you know, things that I'm no, trying to get I, better at. And I would, I, I don't know, I would cut in to say, like, it's probably like in that moment, you feel like you need that. And so if you need that, someone else might need it. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get, yeah. get to essentially was that, you know, I think that if it, if it works for me, and I'm, I'm being vulnerable and, and honest and open, and it's, and it's the truth, right? Mm -hmm. About what the human experience is. Because we're all living the human experience, it should speak to other people as, as well on a personal level. Yeah. You know, like I should have the same struggles as, as most people have. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think that's something that, um, I mean, that's why, that's why it works is because I'm, I'm writing to a personal level of, of what I'm going through. And, and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like your your reflection the other day, like the sun always rises. Right. Yeah. Because the sunrise, the sunrise is always a big part of my own personal meditations mm -hmm. where, I mean, I just sunrises and sunsets and there, there's a lot of, I think, deeper symbolism in, in that stuff where. <laughs> it might be inappropriate, but. You're very much like a morning person and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so you wake up and you're like, it's a beautiful day. And I'm like groggy as shit. Just like <laughs> give me fucking coffee. Get out of my face. And you're just like, <laughs> you're like, hi. I'm speed shuffling. The, sun, the sun's out. It's yeah. a good day today. Yeah. Oh, it's raining all the flowers. <laughs> like the trees are getting watered. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You, you always look for the positive in everything. In the morning. And in then, the morning. And then in the evening, I'm grumpy and I'm tweeting. <laughs> I'm, I'm trolling on somebody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of which, you, like, I don't know, at 1 a.m. the other night, you just made, like, a whiz coin. Whiz biz. Whiz. <laughs> whiz biz coin. <laughs> whiz biz coin. Yeah. What well, was whiz biz? I mean, well, part of it was in studying HUT. I wanted to understand better the mechanics of cryptocurrency so i was like how hard can it really be to to make a, a crypto coin yeah so we we got online and we worked on it and uh we came up with WizCoin, which is uh i think derivative of sha 256 which is the same thing as the same it's the same rules as bitcoin i believe mm -hmm. um it has the same level of scarcity I cha we changed the the rate of having. Why why are you laughing? Oh, because I'm about to talk about the supply level, aren't I? And then you're <laughs> that's what you thought is, was so funny. the The ultimate supply level is four twenty four twenty sixty nine of uh, whiz coins, <laughs> <laughs> which is wow. is so funny. Four twenty four twenty sixty nine. Yeah. 420-420-69. And uh, there was a very scientific and rigorous process that went into that. <laughs> yeah. Typing in on your on your laptop. Yeah. 
0-4-2-0-6-9. I guess we can actually launch the thing. Like if we want it, if we want it to, we could launch it because it's on. Um, we have the node running; it's just not mm -hmm. public. Yeah. So, uh, we were we were talking with somebody else about it, is the talk about some of the, like the code features on the scarcity and like what Bitcoin did well, but it's supposed to be able to send at a better rate than Bitcoin can, mm -hmm. and be exchanged at an easier rate for it. Um, it's a it I, I said it's on a SHA two fifty six, which is a proof of work system. So, essentially, like independent miners are identifying a proof of the transaction, and then uh, they get rewarded with like with Wizcoin, not Bitcoin, Wizcoin. for <laughs> for identifying the transaction. So it's um it's good it's good so far. You know everything's work everything looks like it's working. And it's so it I don't know it, it's so funny to me. You like we're just I think we were we were sitting sitting in the bedroom one night the other yeah. night, and you just yeah you're like I'm I made a I made a crypto coin. It's like what? What? We're just sitting there enjoying time together, and you yeah. just randomly did it. But it's funny because you just like silently work in your head. Right. I I do like a lot you've of. Been, you've been sitting on it for a while, and you just made it happen. Yeah, I think that's something interesting that I I notice I I do too is mm -hmm. I will sit there for a while, and I'll kind of do the steps in my head before I do it. It's almost like playing out the different contingencies of like what could happen. Yeah, you and, just prepare yourself, I think. And then I and then I run through the steps very quickly. It's almost I think it's a executive dysfunction of of ADD. I'm I'm almost positive. Yeah. That I can't start the first step until I've kind of analyzed what the different possibilities are before I before I go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It I would have sucked probably as a hunter gatherer. <laughs> like just throw the fucking spear man just throw it into the hog <sighs> just throw it just throw it dude i'm like hold on i gotta like draw some things up first before i <laughs> take into account for the wind <laughs> just pick the berry yeah just I pick the berry just eat it i can't i don't know i uh, i'm getting a weird feeling about all these dead birds around the bush <laughs> i think it might be connected somehow <laughs> Yeah, so anyways, um, I'm not a big fan of lab chicken. I think that's like – Yeah, that's – That sounds super gross. I, I think – I've never tried Beyond. I've never tried Impossible. I don't want to try any of that stuff. Yeah. I don't want to? I don't want to. I, yeah. I, I really don't want to. I mean, yeah, I mean you can grow cells in a lab and stuff. I'm sure at some point it's going to be really good and it will basically be completely – impossible to tell you know what the what the difference is and the levels of proteins and all that stuff i mean you can only make protein structures so many fucking ways all right like mm -hmm. that's why most things taste like chicken it's it's seriously like it's just that's why like gmo is a, is kind of bullshit too like the the not not the whole like you know, like, um, oh, GMO is altering our genes, whatever the fuck. It's, it's more uh, so, like, GMO, like, altering crops has always been a part of our history. Yeah. You know, Native Americans domesticated maize. 
-hmm. corn, right? Like into hundreds of different species. We we've done the same thing. I mean, with carrots, with with potatoes, all all different kinds of stuff. Every food, there's no such thing as an organic plant. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's always been GMO'd from the very start. Yeah. Ever since we've gotten our hands on it, figured it out, and weren't you know little chimps running around like. But we started trying to make plants bigger and food easier and um and we've done it for a very very long time you know and uh if that's the next natural evolution is producing it in the lab and uh we we have a way to just produce it in the lab and it, it works fine i mean that's cool man you know save all the chickens i think we're where we've gone particularly wrong is when we started introducing additional chemicals in it such as like uh what is it roundup mm -hmm. the weed killer that's associated with cancer yeah completely wrecked our water supply yep uh i think that's the i think that's the alex jones one that is roundup no no roundup's not the alex jones one mm -mm. where it's that meme online where he's like they're putting chemicals in the water turn the frogs gay Yeah, that's – you know what the weird thing is, is, like, he keeps getting vindicated over time on, on certain – I mean, he's not right about a lot of things. Like, I think he really does have, like, a psychosis mm -hmm. to him. But it, it is interesting how many things he has gotten right. Well, I mean, I I agree with you. Like, if it's, like, our next, you know, way of making food in the lab and it's – safe and it's okay for our bodies that's fine but it's also in the testing phases right now it's out in california yeah and 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 the article it's like a two-headed chicken yeah but is it really a two-headed chicken or did the media just kind of do that i mean maybe, to make it look gross i don't know maybe and get a click yeah, i mean yeah doesn't that seem more likely thumbnailed me yeah they <laughs> they clickbaited you clickbait me they're like all right, no one's going to pick on a, you know, a lab chicken that looks super cute and is totally normal, yeah. right? They got to they got to make it like, all right, give it a two heads. Freak. Make it look like freaking Frankenstein, make the chicken a little bit green, you know? Ugh. Yeah. Make it make it look weird. I don't know. Even when they like came out with like the fake burgers and stuff like that. Yeah, the Beyond stuff. Yeah, it doesn't sit well I, with me. I originally shorted Beyond in, uh, from – it was around like 120 or one 119 mm -hmm. down to about $80. And I got blown out of my trade a couple of times on that thing. That was a, that was a real kicker of, uh, of, a, uh, of a ride. It was about three, four years ago when – I forget when Beyond came out. Yeah, I was ago. like, that is the shittiest stock. I'm going, there's no way it's completely overvalued. And that's when I started to realize, oh, we're in a bubble because of, of the level of kickback it was receiving on the shorts. The short trade was so crowded and it was going through so many different squeezes that um, I was like, oh, we've, we've definitely reentered another bubble yeah. in the stage. Yeah, it was, that was when I, when I decided, okay, for the next, you know, I think I went for the next, two or three years I went only long I don't I don't remember if, if this was 2018 2017 then yeah I think I went long for three years mm -hmm. didn't even didn't even touch a short for three years and then and then in 20 the start of 2020 when the tip-off happened in September 2019 when the reverse 
repo facilities were reopened. I went, something's not right. The Fed's doing something weird. Something they've they found something in their system, and they're trying to inject liquidity quickly back into the system. Yeah, did I tell you this the other night about how uh, yesterday the reverse repo facilities lost 0.8 trillion in uh, in liquidity? No, 0.8 trillion. Yeah. Jeez. Somebody swept. Somebody swept, and they swept quickly because it was at two point seven trillion, and then it went down to uh, what two point nine or sorry one point nine trillion. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I think. Is it raining? Yeah, it's that's raining. That's like, not yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My ADD. Point eight trillion. Water. <laughs> water water yeah one 1.9 trillion mm. so it fell fell by 0.8 trillion overnight the liquidity got swept out of the system and the next day a, a short squeeze happened which is actually more indicative of in a liquid trade so that liquidity has actually left the system so today the stock market went through a short squeeze right what was really interesting about it was it's the day after liquidity gets swept out of the system. So liquidity like versus illiquid. Mm-hmm. So illiquid systems, they move very fast on, on price okay. action. It's super, it's super like up, hard up, hard down, right? Yeah. Because there aren't a lot of buyers and sellers at different levels. So you're quick to jump. So say like a stock trades at 100 you're quick to jump down to 90 and then easily the next day you could jump back to 105. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The the stock can be all over the pri- all over the place for it. Um and that's that's more of an illiquid system. Mm-hmm. And they were speculating that, you know, okay, well, reverse repo is so high and and when the treasury, the TGA starts refilling, that likely that reverse repo rate is actually just going to go back into the treasury that the liquidity was never not there in the system that you know there was there was easing involved i'm not 100% sure that that any of that's actually true and i know that sounds super complicated basically what i'm trying to get at is that um people thought that the liquidity in the system wasn't going to drain into quarter end um what i wrote in my stack last week was that in the first half of the week you're likely to see a pop because of of uh uh, loosening liquidity, that might not actually be the case. It might have actually been because the liquidity was swept that that we saw a pop. Yeah. And now, as we enter the second half of the week, we're probably going to see more of a drop in in stock price because the system now is going to tighten. There's more liquidity in the system, and because so the VIX has been pretty low. It's mm-hmm. a volatile. It's VIX stands for volatility index. Okay. Um. So VIX has been pretty low lately uh what that can indicate is that there's potentially a stall out coming which means then there could be a sharper drop in stock price right a stall out so like so like like think about like gradual fall no think about it like an airplane okay so the airplane can go up really high really fast right but it will stall out where the engine like sputters and stops like think of a Think of like a Spitfire or like a World War II fighter plane. Yeah. Right? Where it, it goes up, it starts to sputter, the, the engine like sputters out, the, the, uh, 
propellers stop, right? And then all of a sudden it tilts and it falls down to back towards the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you have to try to restart the engine quickly. Yeah. So what I was saying was that VIX is so low that the volatility, like the market is only supposed to change by like 0.3%, I think, on any given day. Mm-hmm. And it, it's too low for, for serious institutions to be, I mean, it's not too, too low that institutions can't be making money off this, but it it's not a great and ideal system. There has to be a certain level of volatility for there to be enough swings that most funds can be making predictable amounts of yeah. of money over time. So for it to be so low, it can create sort of like a paranoia effect. Yeah. Where all of a sudden um, people are like, okay, um, we're not going back up as yeah. fast as it should be. Yeah. I got to get my money out of this thing because it's going to probably drop, you know? So then they sell. So they sell, right? Or they, I mean, if they're smart, they're hedging their long. Yeah. So they're they're creating like a delta short, which you know uh, goes uh, the premium should cover the a relative drop yeah. on it as long as it's timed correctly and covers enough for it. But that also that also bets that there isn't high volatility and that that the uh, index doesn't drop or sorry not the index that the yeah sorry the index the the market index doesn't drop at a extraordinary rate and that your uh, price is able to be reclaimed. So. I said a lot there. What I, what I'm saying is that um, uh, most hedges can account for a certain amount of lo- like loss in stock price. It can't always account for the full thing, right? So um, you're betting that that your long is going to take a certain amount of a hit, right? Yeah. Um. So then, so okay, I'm trying to follow along. I know the rain's starting to make me sleepy now. It's it's soothing. So when it like when it shorts out or it like sputters out like that, that's when people, you know, like the paranoia paranoia you said, and then a lot of people sell. Right. And, and then, if you're in a liquid in a ill liquid system, right? Mm-hmm. Your stock price is already super volatile, right? Because yeah. so less buyers and sellers, which means oh shit, we could drop, you know. Yeah. Quite quickly. Right. If, if the right things were to happen. Mm-hmm. There doesn't have to be a lot of sell pressure on it necessarily. That, that's what's the weird thing about quarter end is normally you see higher liquidity into quarter end. Right now we're seeing lower liquidity at the start of the week. And that doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, unless they're rotating out into other, uh, I guess, what's it called? Devi- like devices such as like bonds or um commodities or whatever whatever their their yeah. poison is yeah so something weird's going on in the markets yeah and it's kind of it's kind of hard to figure out you just got to kind of play the day-to-day price levels that are that are happening yeah i mean if the day is up you play the day up if the day is down you play the day down right and you just follow the algos to where to where the full stretches of of the rubber bands actually are at yeah and you just have to trust that the math is right i mean and the math isn't always going to be right, and also too, sometimes your gut's going to scream because you've you've seen it before in repetition that you know, oh well, it, it should just continue on or it should be there. No, no, if the algo is saying that's the pivot point, 
the computers are most likely going to correct because the computers are not adaptable. Yeah. Like humans are, yeah. right? They're following a system. They're following a program. There might be some like uh, generative like ad- adaptation in, in the mathematics of it, but like the sequencing for it probably isn't like, I mean, like the adaptability for it, it probably isn't too, too high. Yeah. So like you're, you're only going to, you won't, it's not going to be adaptive enough in this kind of an environment. It might be adaptive enough in longer term runs, but in these short spurts of like one week, um, especially when next week, most traders are not going to trade Monday. I, I don't even know if the market's open Monday. I have to double check that. And then uh, the fourth, which is Tuesday, mm-hmm. I believe, right? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, the fourth, which is Tuesdays, the stock market's closed, right? So um, you you basically have a three-day week next week yeah. after a quarter end, which that sucks yeah. for most people. Yeah. Uh, Bad week. It's it's not good. And, you know, most managers aren't at the wheel. They're taking time off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm off all next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I... I don't expect most other people to be around. I expect the volume to be pretty low, which means that it could be pretty illiquid. So um, what's what's particularly confusing about it, though, is that uh, the dark pool rates are pretty high right now. So it's at like a 12, I think a 12.8, mm-hmm. 12.5 uh, for the last couple of days. And so based on what we've seen, uh, what that indicates is that uh, they're buying what that could potentially indicate, though, is that it's just a rotational buy. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a net buy, if that makes sense. So a net buy would, would indicate that the buyers are completely offsetting the sellers. Yeah. So it's going to push the majority of stock up. Mm-hmm. In a rotational buy, it's saying that the sellers and buyers are exchanging positions at different angles. Like, so, uh, you know, I'm going to trade you cash for my mcdonald's position and i'm going to go rotate into palantir right like yeah i'm not taking my money really out of the market i'm moving my money to a different position within the market right right so that's a rotation okay so that typically is what happens at quarter ends and most people mistake it as a real Mm sell-off like they go well this stock i've been following all quarter it's been a winner why is it why is it getting sold off well uh, funds have mandates sometimes to reweight into certain stocks. So, if if hut I set hut at thirty percent of my portfolio, right, and it goes up, and all of a sudden now in weight in money weight it is now you know thirty five percent of my portfolio. In Palantir fell uh, from fifteen percent to ten percent. Right, I have to reweight five percent of my portfolio back to Palantir to keep it to keep it set to match my bylaws. Okay. So because it's not my money, right? I'm I'm, man- I'm managing other people's money right. on a set system that I've had a- approved by them. Right. Right. So uh, that's the deal. That's that's the mandate that I'm following. Right. It's not that there's not adaptability to that system, but like for bigger funds. That's normally the case. They're they're kind of handcuffed, right? Yeah. And obviously, it gets way more complicated than that. But that's a very simple way to just kind of explain what a rotation and in, in re kind of looks like, right? Is how much of my portfolio set at this percentage? How much is set at this percentage? I have to re-weight at the end of each quarter, 
into that. On top of that, I have to reweight all my ratios between stocks and bonds. And you see that a lot of times with a lot of the massive market makers, such as like Fidelity, right? If they have a certain amount of weight in stocks versus bonds, they have to reweight at the end of the quarter from stock to bond or bond to stock, depending on yeah. you know what the performance was and that kind of stuff, right? So uh, there's a lot of money movements and they can be misinterpreted as, okay, the stock market's falling. That's not necessarily true. And um, really what, I, what I've been talking about is, so the sell that we were seeing, I've, I felt it was coming for, I don't, I don't know how long. Now I've been writing about it on the sub stack, but I mean, it's, it's been at least you know, a week and a half, I think, was that there was an organized sell coming into quarter end and that you're going to watch a rotation and, you know, the first half of the week is, is you know, you might catch some updraft. And then the second half, because of the reweighting, you probably, it, the, the general market probably falls a bit into uh, JP Morgan's uh, collar of mm-hmm. the hedge. And then from there, likely in, in the following weeks, if it's a liquid system and there's enough uh, lack of volume, you probably see it, you know, go back up mm-hmm. from there. So... Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. One of the one of the oncoming factors that that we have is the Fed raising rates again in July. Yeah. But as I've talked about before on the pod, I don't really think rates have much effect on the actual liquidity in the market unless you can induce um, the housing market to collapse. I don't really think the Fed wants that. Like we've had that conversation before. Is that yeah. you know. The Fed talks a really mean game, but I don't really think they want to crash anything. If they can get away with a soft landing, they're going to. Yeah. Because that's mission accomplished. And yeah. that is the least amount of damage to the, to the economy. And, um, you know, they have politicians in their ear. And they also have, like, national security concerns. If our economy crashes, that's a national security concern. Yeah. Right? Uh, if... Uh, the economy crashes and a bunch of people lose jobs, that it, it becomes a stability concern, mm-hmm. right? It becomes an investment concern. It becomes a political concern. There's, there's a lot of things that make you go, absolutely not. We must, you know, uh, we must deny a crash at all costs. Yep. Whether that no actually how is, slow and painful. no matter how slow and painful, and mm-hmm. whether that actually makes any sense or not. And whether that's actually really good for the economy in the long term, yeah, right. Uh, it's kind of their motive. That's a whole other debate, and that's not the way the Fed's been set up. The Fed's been set up to chase the stick, and the stick only gets thrown five yards at a time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wherever it's thrown, that's where it's chasing it, right? Um, Why am I thinking of like a chow pup? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing a little stick and it like yeah it like it trots over. Um, I wanted to hear you talk about IonQ. Oh, IonQ. Mm-hmm. You want to know the dark side of IonQ, or you want to know the like light side of IonQ? Um, like the Merlin after dark stuff, or the yeah, yeah. I mean, how deep do you want to? I guess I, because it's on a podcast, I shouldn't go too deep. So I'll leave some of the secrets. Yeah. Out. On it, so do you know what IonQ does, right? Nope. So they're they're a quantum computing company. Yes, I remember. Oh. They are 
they were formed by uh, some professors out of uh, uh, the Maryland uh, University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, their headquarters in College Park, Maryland, which is the which is a very important place historically, mm-hmm. uh, specifically for the intelligence community. Yep, especially in the nineties. Um, if you know what I'm alluding to, <laughs> you'll understand why Ion Q is important because of certain national security concerns. Yeah. So, for that reason, right, knowing that the Fed, and if you really want to know uh, why Ion Q is important, just go look in Merlin After Dark, uh, the chat. Like, I think it's posted there. If it's not posted there, I'll write it out again. But I. Uh, there's something very specific going on with IonQ, and there's a reason why IonQ is most likely going to win the quantum race. Uh, but if the Fed's backing them, essentially, right, then uh, they're they're a lot like Google. They got dark money coming in, black money coming into them, and uh, yeah, they popped again today. I believe they're about to break eleven dollars. Mm. So I think they closed around ten eighty three. I want to say somewhere somewhere around the high ten eighties. Um, so they're, they're super important. They're, they're one of those companies that you're going to go, why did I not buy them when they were under $10? You know? Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be mass, mass producing, uh, quantum computers in the next year. Yep. Their revenue increase, their projection, projected revenue increased by 25%. I think the last time I talked about IonQ on the pod, yeah, that was the night before the, they they finally came out with a with the press release that they were going to increase their revenue projections for end of year by twenty five percent, which is huge. Twenty five percent is we're gonna we're gonna make um we're gonna make one additional quarter's worth of money. So instead of giving you four quarters of money, we're going to give you five quarters of money in one year, right? So that that is insane amount of extra money yeah. that they're going to make. And quantum computing anyways is going to change the whole field of of technology, how everything is done, right? They could potentially end up being the next Dell. Mm-hmm. You know, the the hardware that, that, is, that is produced on, everything, it's going to be so invaluable uh, for the next generation of computers that, you know what, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. It, yeah. It, it seems like a no-brainer that, that, you know, I'm going to look back in 20 years and I mean, it's worth the risks of holding it and holding it through for the next 20 years and, and seeing it evolve. Um, I'd be shocked, you know, Yeah. if they weren't the ones that, that uh, skyrocketed. Weren't the ones that skyrocketed. Yeah. And they've already skyrocketed. I think they skyrocketed about 268% yeah. from the initial position of like what? I think my, my initial position was like 413 or something like that. Well, and so you're saying if you hold on to it for 20 years... It could be at. Oh wow! I mean, its market cap will be hundreds of billions. Of dollars. It will. It would rival uh, Dell's market cap wherever Dell currently is at. Um, it's gonna be. It will be insane. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the next generation of computers. Yep. And mass producing quantum computers. It will completely change the field. It will completely change. Uh, what kind of AI we can generate. It will change the level of math that we can do. The 
everything. Everything is going to change because of quantum computing. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to miss that technology revolution. Yeah. You know, it's, it's too important. Because the last 20 years, we've, we've had the revolution of the internet, right? And before that, we, I mean, and at the same time, right, we've had the revolution of the software chip, mm-hmm. right? The next, the next stage of that evolution is, is, uh, the, is, is the quantum piece of the software chip, right, yeah. the microchip. Yeah. And uh, quantum computing is, is that piece of it, so... You know, you you just got to be looking at it because AI can do, you know, a whole bunch of things, right? But if it doesn't have the power to back up the level of computations that it needs to ha- have, and if if those level of computations can be in everyone's home, well, imagine you know the the level of like what we'll be able to do with it, right? So there's just, I mean, billions if not trillions of dollars that yeah. will be associated with it eventually. So it, it's pretty exciting. Worth the wait. Worth the wait. So um, come back to the pod in, in 20, check back with <laughs> us in 20 years and we'll see yeah. where, we, where we are in stock price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It's exciting. It's exciting. You don't get to see many companies like that that are, that are really doing the, a real, real level of innovation. And it, it's not BS and it's actually backed by the government and it's, it's been a whole bunch of research and stuff. So, yeah. uh, especially when it's so crucial to our national security, yeah, you know that they're going to make sure that it succeeds. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Does that kind of. Early. Yeah. Catch it early. Ride the wave. Ride the wave. <laughs> Same with hot, hot, super yeah. interesting. Hut. Yeah, it was interesting to read about Hut today. Hut is now the number three uh, miner in mining capacity mm-hmm. after its merger with U.S. Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, and they've made all the right investments in continuing to grow and position themselves. They're very serious about, you know, be, becoming the largest miner of Bitcoin, especially as the halving approaches. So that's. That's going to be very interesting to see. Isn't it weird that the word half goes to having, like H-A-L-V-I-N-G, not F-I-N-G? Yeah. Who the hell came up with that? <laughs> Why did they think that was a good idea? English language. I don't know. Uh, I should have known them because I guess it came from Middle English Halving. when I was there. Having, halving. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird thing. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like that. I mean, there's a couple of, of words in the English language. How the hell does anyone learn English? I don't know. The rules don't make sense. It's the hardest language to learn. Is that true or is is that Mandarin? English is. English really is? Mm-hmm. Google that. Bard that. Bard that. You know what's weird is bard is not easy to say or pronounce. Bard. Bard. All right. Let's see. All right. We're looking it up right now. What is the hardest language to learn? 
And the hardest language to learn is a subjective question as it depends on a number of factors, including the learner's native language, their motivation, and the amount of time they have to study. However, some languages are generally considered to be more difficult to learn than others. One of the most difficult languages to learn for English speakers is Mandarin Chinese. Ha! There we go. The whiz always knows, baby. <laughs> wow. I thought for sure it was English. Well, for English speak, you know what they used there. That sentence was for English speakers, yes. it's Mandarin. Yes. So my, my fact was actually technically correct. But for Mandarin speakers, it could be English. Other languages that are often considered to be difficult to learn include Japanese, Arabic, mm -hmm. Korean, Finnish, and Hungarian. I know why, because they use different alphabet systems than, um, mm -hmm. than we do. Did you know that, so the Arabic like metric is 12, not 10? Yes. And time was formed on the Arabic metric with yeah. three as the foundation. So you the entire privately have spoken privately about this before, but yeah, the entire stock market it is built off the time of threes, and so everything coordinates between threes. Yeah, and the square, like if you if you just follow the exponential of of threes, like you can you can pick up the actual system of movement in it. Isn't that insane? Um, you know, you know, the foundation behind my, my algorithms is all three. Yeah. You can, you can solve every algorithm that I have by, by inputting keys of, of threes. Actually. So you just break your formulas. You can break them by, by, yeah, threes. by threes. And then, um, the cryptocurrencies run off threes my my sorry Wizcoin runs off three i shouldn't say the cryptocurrencies do Wizcoin runs off three yeah as well yeah because three is an incredibly important number to the universe answer to all <laughs> it will be <laughs> did you ever you did you ever uh, watch the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i did not know Oh, but that that's crazy. Okay, well, we'll watch it. <laughs> so maybe they, maybe I've seen it. I don't know. There's a there's a scene in there that that often gets like misinterpreted. Yeah. So uh, you might have heard before the meaning of life is forty two. You ever heard that saying before? No, or no? I've always heard it's three. <laughs> is that just because I just said that? No, I've always heard it's three. Really? Mm -hmm. So in. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they say meaning of life is 42. Okay. But so these two young girls go up, ask a supercomputer. They come back like years later, right? And they go, what's the answer? And they go, the computer goes, I've figured it out. It's 42, right? So the input to the question, it, it's not, or the answer that was given to the question is nonsense, right? It's a nonsensical answer, right? But the point of that is it's a nonsensical question. You're asking the wrong kind of questions for the constructs that, that need to be asked. You're putting limitations upon what life is 
And by putting a limitation upon it, you put it in a box and you're not going to get an answer if you try to keep it in that box, right? Like yeah. it can't be, life can't be contained to a simple box answer. Yeah. You know? And, um, well, the whiz advice is, because <laughs> I was like, I was like, what the fuck does that have to do with the stock market? <laughs> <laughs> The the whiz the whiz thing to that is that um, I think in our own lives we try to put a lot of limitations on not only ourselves and what we think life is. I think we need to try to identify what those limitations we're putting on not only ourselves but others in life and everything in general. Right? There's a whole possibility to what your life can be, and um, we were talking about this the other day. Actually, the pivot. Mm-hmm. You can pivot. Pivot in life. Pivot, baby. Like, you know, you don't have to be one thing in life. You can you can be a whole bunch of things. You can be a mastery of everything and, and nothing at the same time, right? You can be a true uh, figure of the Renaissance. Yep. Where you're trick of all trades. An absolute scholar in, in so many different fields. And, you know, I think that li- makes life a lot more satisfying and fulfilling is the more fields you try to learn about and, and master. master. And the more responsibility you can take on, the greater sense of like what your life is and an influence of, of like what your life can be becomes more realized. And I think you you eventually find more happiness in life. Yeah. Yeah. So with that thought, um, it's probably been about an hour. And yeah. well, anyways, I love you. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. I love spending time together. I love you. I love you too. All right. All right.